Good morning, GCC. Good to see all of you guys today. And as I did first service, I just kind of stared at them for a little bit. That'd be all right, right? Just kind of look at you. It's it's good to see uh, all of you guys. And for those of us, those of you guys joining us at home, uh, we're glad you're with us today. Um, as you saw in that video, you know it's important for the church to be together. And um, you know maybe maybe even more important, right? In, in difficult times. Um, you know, the Bible tells us to not forsake the assembling of ourselves together, looking to the day <laughs> that's coming. And uh, we know what's ahead. We know God, God is going uh, to come for his church and uh, take us home. And um, so we uh, certainly want you guys to pray for the elders as we make decisions about assembling together and how that might look in the next few weeks and as we consider uh, what's going on in our world, which unusual times, but you know what? Uh, things may be changing all around us, but the Word of God does not change. How about that? So I wanted to finish this morning uh, reading through the book of Philippians as we've been reading through the book together. If you take your Bibles and go to Philippians chapter 4, we will read verses 10 through 23 through the rest of the book. And um, I'm going to ask that when you... Get there, you'll stand as we honor the Lord in reading His Word uh, together. Philippians chapter 4, verse 10. Paul writes, But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly, that now at last you have revived your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned before, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak from want, for I have learned, that's a process, I've learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. I know how to get along with humble means, and I also know how to live in prosperity. There's an amen. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry both of having abundance and suffering need. And here it is. I can do all things through Him, through Christ, who strengthens me. How many of us are thankful for that, right? Nevertheless, you have done well to share with me in my affliction. You yourselves also know, Philippians, that at, my first, at the first preaching of the gospel, after I left Macedonia, no church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving but you alone. For even in Thessalonica you sent a gift more than once for my needs. Not that I seek the gift itself, but I seek for the profit which increases to your account. But I have received everything in full and have an abundance. I am amply supplied, having received from Epaphroditus what you have sent, a fragrant aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. And here's another one of those verses we know well. And my God will supply all your needs. Doesn't say wants there, but it says needs. According to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Now to our God and Father be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brethren who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. 
We ask that the Lord would bless the reading of his word today. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for another time that we can gather this morning. And thank you that your church is here and that we are able to assemble freely. There are a lot of distractions in our world right now, Lord. And I pray that for a few moments this morning we would just um, have our attention on worshiping you and through song and through your word. And that your spirit would teach us and that we would be able to apply the things that we learn uh, to our lives as we move forward each day anticipating your return. And all these things we pray in the name of Christ. Amen. Good morning. You can be seated. We'd like to start off worshiping the Lord this morning singing a song the choir's done and we've done it enough times so I think you know the song and plus if you listen to any praise and worship uh, before the throne of God above let's all sing together maybe Thank you. 
song that we had uh, introduced to you a couple of weeks ago, Christ, Our Hope in Life and Death. And before we sing it uh, this morning, I'd like for just to share uh, a, a little passage of scripture. It's in 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18. Let's read this together, may we? Therefore, we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. And that's our hope today, that even though things we don't see things. We've, we have faith in the things that are unseen. And that's what the Bible tells us. Anyway, I would like for us to sing this song, Christ, Our Hope in Life and Death. We did it a couple of weeks ago. And if, you're, if it's new to you, hey, you'll pick it up real quickly. So let's all stand and let's sing on it, may we? <laughs> what is our hope in life? Christ alone, Christ alone, what is our only confidence that our souls to Him belong, who holds our days within His hands, what comes apart from His command, and what will keep us through the end, Hallelujah, our hope springs eternal, 
Because God is the faithful one. Let's sing together that old song that all of us know together. Great is thy faithfulness. Thou changest not thy compassion. 
Thank you this morning for your faithfulness, for your greatness, for who you are, the fact that we can come together today and worship your holy name. Lord, we just pray that today that we would recognize how faithful you have been in our life and never, ever forget that. So God, be with us today, Lord, as we worship you, Father. Turn our hearts towards you, Father. Speak to our hearts through the word that that, that you have given to Thad. And God, may we leave here today knowing that we have worshipped the true Savior and the living God. And Lord, as we leave here today, Father, that you're, you would be pleased with our heart of worship this morning. Be with us as we go through the rest of this time. These things we pray in your Son, Jesus Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. All right, again, good morning, GCC. It's good to see you. wanted to uh, say a special thanks to uh, Bob and to uh, Daryl for filling the pulpit the last couple of weeks. And, you know, the Lord gifts, gifts us all in different ways, and I think it's important to appreciate those that diligently labor among us. Paul was very faithful to point that out, and so we appreciate Daryl and Bob and their faithfulness to labor through the word of God to bring to you the message that God had given them and so uh, thank you so much you guys Uh, I see both of you right here so thank you thank you so much for that I'd like for you to take your Bibles and go back to 2nd Timothy in the second chapter I want to ask you this question this morning and 
um, in light of what Paul is doing in the first couple of chapters, how are you running the race? How's it going in your life as a Christian? For sure, we're living in challenging times. I mean, nobody can argue that point. The question becomes, you know, how are we doing? Uh, what does that look like for us? Um, I think it's something important to consider, especially in light of what Paul is talking with Timothy about. You know, it's, it's, it's that father-son relationship that he had, and he's really concerned that Timothy would continue in the race. And, and uh, you know, I mean, how many of you here this morning are concerned that your children will continue the race, your grandchildren, if they're saved? And, and then ourselves, we can, we're concerned that we would continue in the race, and I think it's very important to consider that before we come to read the text because in this uh, passage this morning, we're going to consider the terms diligence and encouragement, which do not appear actually in the text, but certainly reflect what's going on in the text. Um, I want to bring you kind of up to speed as we come from chapter 1 to chapter 2. In chapter 1, especially in the last part of the chapter, Paul tells Timothy, look, retain the standard of sound words, guard the gospel, guard what's been entrusted to you. And then he tells him, hey, look, there's been some in Asia, good many that have deserted me. And he mentions two, Phygelus and Hermogenes, and then he, thank the Lord, he closes with some encouragement, right? <laughs> he talks about Onesiphorus and how Onesiphorus had um, searched eagerly for him, found him. When you read that, you're like, hey, that had to be an encouragement for Paul, especially what he was going through. And so that's why he begins chapter 2 with the term therefore, which makes you kind of go back to chapter 1, which I just talked about. So he says in chapter one, uh, chapter 2, uh, verses 1 through 10, it reads this way. You therefore, my son, my child, remember that word is child there, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. The things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses. Entrust these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Suffer hardship with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier in active service entangles himself in the affairs of everyday life so that he may please the one who enlisted him as a soldier. Also, if anyone competes as an athlete, he does not win the prize unless he competes according to the rules. And he says, verse 6, The hardworking farmer ought to be the first to receive his share of the crops. And he says, Consider what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, descendant of David. I guess I could go to the next page there for you. Um, according to my gospel. So you see the personal nature of it. I mean, Paul just owns it. I love that. Um, that phrase there. According to my gospel, for which I suffer hardship even to imprisonment as a criminal, but the word of God is not imprisoned. For this reason I endure all things for the sake of those who are chosen, so that they may also obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus and with it eternal glory. Let's pray together. Lord, we just want to commit this morning to you and pray that your spirit would teach us through your word. I pray that we would apply the things that you teach us this morning as we run the race 
to your glory. In the name of Christ, I pray. Amen. So, up to this point um, in chapter 2, Paul's told Timothy three things by way of instruction. And it's very important to consider it's by way of instruction. It's in, these are imperatives. And the understood subject is Timothy. So it's very personal, right? I mean, there can be no mistake who he's talking to, right? And sometimes you know how that goes. You're in a crowd and, and somebody's looking right at you and you're like, hey, is he talking to me? Is she talking to me? Well, in this letter, there's no doubt who he's talking to. He's talking to Timothy. He says to him, be strong in the grace that's in Christ Jesus, verse 1. As, in other words, as you're going along in the Christian life, uh, you rely on the grace of God. How's that sound? Rely on his strength. Uh, don't rely on your own strength. Boy, there's a tendency to do that. How many of us are guilty of that at times? And uh, Paul's like, hey, look, you want to make it through the race, you're going to have to rely on the strength of the Lord. And you know what's so awesome is the Lord is on our side. Isn't that good to know? I shared with the guys in first service during the reading time. I said, you know, I'm stuck in the Psalms in Psalm 56. Uh, I'm reading ahead, but I'm always turning back to 56 because in 56... David's talking about a rough time. They're talking. The psalmist is talking about a rough time in David's life and some trials that he's going through. And I think it's in verse nine. And and David it says, "For this I know, He is for me." Isn't that good to know that the Lord is for us? And that not only was He for David, He's for us, even in times of suffering. So He says, "You be strong in grace." Then He says, verse two, "Be committed to the process of training faithful men." And remember we said that word men there is the word anthropos. So it includes men and women. It's not just man. The word in the New Testament would be andros, but it's not. It, that's a masculine only term. But here he says anthropos. In other words, be committed to the process of training faithful men and women. Who are going to do what? Turn around and teach others. That's something the church really needs to take into consideration. You know? I mean, I look at it and I go, hey, why are, why are people needing discipling after they've been saved 30 years? Maybe because this hadn't been, you know, followed like it needs to be. So he says, be committed to the process. And then verse 3 is kind of one of those hard verses. You look at it and you go, wow, Paul. I mean, if you're Timothy, you're going, what did you just say, right? If you could see him face to face. He says, suffer hardship with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. And by the way, the term there means do it now. <laughs> That's weird, right? I mean, if you're, if you're Timothy, you're going, do what now? Suffer with me. And we know the rest of Timothy's life, church history tells us that he was martyred as well. So Paul's saying, hey, look, you suffer now. But it's, it reflects the tense and the mood of the verb. So you can't deny what it says. Well, I think what Paul does next, though, as he kind of anticipates maybe a question that Timothy would ask. Well, how, how do you suffer effectively, Paul? I mean, you're telling me to suffer. And Paul's, where, where is Paul? I mean, he's in a dungeon, right? He's about the end of his life. And he's saying, look, my ministry's not over. And let me tell you, Timothy, what this race involves. It involves a commitment to grace. It involves a commitment to the process of making disciples. And hey, Timothy, it involves suffering and do it now. Do it with me. Um, but he anticipates the question that Timothy might have, which would be, how do I do that effectively? I mean, of all these things, you come to that third instruction, you go, well, how, 
how in the world do you suffer hardship? It's clear in the Bible that the godly in Christ Jesus will what? What does Paul say? Will suffer. So how do we do that effectively? That's, we really have it good, don't we, in the United States? I mean, yeah, we're going through this strange time, and okay, I, I don't want to get into all that, but we're going through a strange time, and people have their opinions left, right, center, who cares? The bottom line is that we serve something greater than this thing going on here, right? We serve the Lord. And, and so, I mean, I think we need to get in our minds that this suffering piece that Paul's talking about here with Timothy, man, it could be a whole lot worse for us. You understand what I'm saying? It can get a whole lot worse. And so the question then becomes, if it gets a whole lot worse, how are we going to run? How are we going to suffer? I mean, I'd be asking the same question, right? And you know what's great about this context is he can say that because, what, he's in, he's in a dungeon and he's chained and he's about to die, about to have his head chopped off. And so he can speak, I mean, right? And so he speaks into Timothy's life and he says, look, this is how you do it. You suffer hardship... With the dedication of a soldier who is single-minded. And the problem, listen to me, the problem with the church today is we're being pulled apart to think about other things. I'm just being honest with you, okay? It's in my heart and telling you about it. Satan's having a heyday. And we need to say, hey, look, things may get worse and likely will, right? But we got a mission. God's given us a mission. I mean, when he told the disciples, go make disciples, he didn't say, well, now, listen, that's going to be, it's going to be rosy, things will be great. No, it's going to be difficult. So Paul says, look, you suffer hardship with the dedication of a soldier, do it with the discipline of an athlete who competes with the goal of winning the prize. In other words, the future, man, I'm winning, I'm running to win, I'm running to win, right? I'm running to the end, I'm running, I see that tape, I'm running to the end. I see Christ coming, I'm running to the end. That sounds good, right? Good stuff. And then he says, do it with the diligence of a hard-working farmer looking to what? The harvest. You ever ask yourself, why in the world would somebody want to be a farmer? <laughs> right? I'm not a farmer. Why would somebody want to be a farmer? They're looking to what? The harvest. So what's Paul doing here? He's using these metaphors to exhort Timothy to look ahead look at the one who enlisted you and look to win the prize and look to the harvest look at verse 6 the hard-working farmer ought to be the first to receive a share of the crops my uh, great-grandfather was a sharecropper in east arkansas years and years ago years and years and years ago any of you ever been to East Arkansas? It's ugly. There's nothing there. If you want a land of beauty where the hogs live and roam, and, mm, just go to Fayetteville. But East Arkansas is ugly. And it's hot and it's dry. And who wants to live there? Except a pig maybe, right? But my great-grandfather, he was a sharecropper in eastern Arkansas. And my grandfather was sharing with me one time about his dad, he called him Papa. I love that name. That's a cool name, Papa. And so he always referred to him. No matter how old my granddad was, he'd talk about his dad. He'd say, Papa. He said, Dad, let me tell you about Papa. He said, Papa would get up at 4 o'clock. And that first hour was spent with the Lord. 
And then at 5 o'clock, Papa would go out to the barn, barn and whatever needed to be tended to out in the barn, that's what Papa did. And at 6 o'clock, Papa was at the table, and we were all eating breakfast together. You get that? 6 o'clock, we were all eating breakfast together. <laughs> the kids weren't just laying around in the bed. And so all eating breakfast together. And at 7 o'clock, they were out in the fields, and they were out in the fields till whenever. That's the life of a farmer. Looking to what? The harvest. I like the way um, Wayne Barber describes the farmer. Um, before I do that, that word hardworking that's right there in your text, in verse 6, where he describes the farmer, that word means to labor to the point of exhaustion. Man, you guys have seen pictures of farmers, right? Pull it up. You can Google it now. Just pull up a farmer and course now they got some pretty good luxuries but back in the day right i mean that's hard work and so these guys are working literally from six seven in the morning till nighttime and so the idea here in the text paul's saying hey look you be diligent as a farmer as you suffer looking to the harvest but wayne barber describes the farmer this way he says in describing the hard-working farmer He says, his work is demanding and often begins early in the morning. Doesn't that sound great? And ends late in the evening. His work is often tedious, boring, really unexciting. Not many farmers, he says, ever become celebrities. (laughs) I don't know any. However, a farmer is often called to endure what? Cold, heat, rain, and drought. He goes on to say... This, he plows whether the soil is hard or not. When it is time to plant, he must plant. When weeds appear, he must get rid of them. When the fruit ripens, he must, har- he must harvest. And he harvests rain, hail, sleet, snow, no matter what. Remember, the hardworking farmer is doing what? He's looking for the harvest. Well, you know what, guys? It's no different in the Christian life. See, we endure hardship, and we're diligent in that because we're looking to the harvest. We're looking to the harvest. We're looking for the fruit of the ministry. You know, what what is this hard labor produced? And listen, I'm going to tell you something. You're not always able to see that. You're not always able to see it. I'll give you an example. I was, I hadn't been a farmer, as you guys know, but... I planted a garden a few times over the years. I remember one of the first few times I planted a garden. I dug up the soil. I didn't have a tiller. I did it the hard way. Dug up the soil. I don't remember the area, square footage, but it was a decent size. And I put me some banana peppers in there, and I put me some cucumbers. I didn't realize those things grew like crazy. Hey, they have no rhyme or reason to them. And uh, I like things in order, so I'm like, what are you guys doing down there? But anyway, so... I've got the the banana peppers, and I've got the cucumbers, and man, I was so proud of those things. When they first came, when I was harvesting those babies, I picked those things up, and I brought them into Teresa, and this is when the boys were at home. I said, babe, I have provided the meal for our kids tonight. And if you know Teresa, she just kind of looked at me. She said, babe, they don't like any of that. I said, well, then I provided it for me and you. But I was looking to the harvest, and every time I went out there, man, I was picking left and right come harvest time. But then there was a time when I was talking to somebody in the church that, that uh, 
raises pumpkins. That's how I say it, raises pumpkins. He plants those seeds, and you have to baby those things. Well, he's explaining to me how to do it, and I'm like, I can do that. So I got me some pumpkin seeds a few years ago. This is when my grandkids were, uh, all three of them were here, and I'm like, well, I'm going to plant me some pumpkin seeds, and I'm going to watch those babies grow, and I'm going to get come fall, I'm going to give those grandchildren a pumpkin. <clears throat> well, it was about September, and nothing was happening. That's kind of late, because October's coming. She, my wife, was, every once in a while, she said, babe, how's it coming out there? I was like, doesn't look real good. And uh, she said, what you got to do? I said, I'm going to go to the store and buy three pumpkins. I'm going to put them where I planted those seeds. And you know what I did? That's what I did. So there's times when you see the harvest. As a believer, you see it. You see the fruits of your labor. But there are times, guys, where we labor, where we don't see the fruits. But what do we do? We stop? No. We keep laboring, right? We keep laboring. Listen, Paul knew what it was to labor to the point of exhaustion, and he knew what it was to labor not in vain, right? We're not working in vain in the Lord. You remember what he told the Corinthian church? He says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not in vain in the Lord. Hey, it's not in vain. We keep running the race, and we stay diligent in the ministry. When we look out in the fields, guys. Remember what Jesus told his disciples at one point in the ministry in Matthew 9? The harvest is what? Plentiful. What's few? The laborers. Those who are willing to work from sunup to sundown. Those who are saying, hey, look, I'm all in. I'm all in. And listen, Paul wanted Timothy to say undoubtedly, I am all in. I'm all in. He wanted him to continue in the race and suffer hardship as a soldier and suffer hardship as an athlete who's disciplined and suffer hardship as a diligent farmer who's looking to the harvest. So that's some good instruction, but hard instruction, right? I mean, the first two things in verses 1 and 2, you're like, okay. But verse 3, it's like, whoa, and then he gives him these metaphors. And so he's just had to listen to a lot of hard stuff. So what does he do? Well, you know what he does after the hard stuff? He encourages him. Hey, guys, you guys can relate to this, right? You've had to have hard conversations with your kids before, right? And they're sitting there, and they got that look on their face like they don't want to hear another word from you. And if we're good parents and good fathers, like, what do we do? We're encouraging them along the way. We're not just instructing them, but we're encouraging them. And that's exactly what this father-son relationship was like. He instructed him hard instruction, but then he gives him encouragement. And this encouragement is found in verses 7 through 10. Notice what it says in verse 7. He says, Consider what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. All right? So the first thing that he tells him, we'll come back to this slide. The first thing he tells him, he says, Timothy, the Lord will give you understanding in everything. Now that's encouraging. Because when someone gives you instruction, you want to understand what in the world are they saying? Well, what's he promising here? That the Lord would give him understanding. You know, how many times have you approached the word and thought, I really would like to understand this? Can I give you good news? The Spirit of God is your teacher. The Spirit of God is your teacher. He's the one that's going to lead you into all the truth. 
He's going to lead you into the truth. And so Paul tells Timothy here, he says, look, I want to encourage you, Timothy. The Lord will give you understanding in everything. That word understanding, guys, is a really cool word in the original language. The picture there is incredible. Um, It is literally the picture of two rivers that come together to form one. Where there was division, now there's one. But it's also the idea of connecting the dots. How many of you like dot to dot? Come on, who wants to admit it? It's over 40. I like it. Okay, because like at the end as I'm connecting those dots, you have this what in front of you? Picture! You go, hey! Listen, how many of you in here can't do crosswords? Here, I'm raising my hand. I can't, I don't like those as well. I like the word search. I love that. But the dot to dot. And when you mess up in dot to dot though and you try to erase, make sure it's a good eraser, otherwise it messes up the whole picture. But that's a side note. But you have the dot to dot. And the dot to dot at the end of those dots is a picture. It's a picture. And we look at we're able to identify it. You know what? Same idea here. Hey, let me encourage you, Timothy, that as you're enduring hardship for the cause of Christ, the Lord's going to connect the dots for you. He's going to do that. That's what the Word does. The Word connects the dots. Um. I want to give you an example of how that looks. This is how that looks. If you're sitting there this morning, you say, well, you know what? There's times when I approach the Scripture and I want to understand what the Lord says about giving. Or I want to understand what the Lord says about uh, marriage. You know, not just one verse, but what does the Bible say about it? You know, what does the Bible say about encouragement? Pick a subject. Well, what are you going to do? You're going to investigate it. And you start in Genesis, and you go all the way through Revelation. You figure it out. Get you one of those strong concordances. Look up the words, and you go, okay, this is how it's used here, 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 and here. Why? Because you want to understand. You want to be able to connect the dots. Well, I picked one. I picked the subject of the mind. And I didn't go all out on it, going, I'm going to go Old Testament, New Testament, and whatever. I just gave you a few things to think about. So this is all to illustrate connecting the dots. The Lord... Through Paul told Timothy, hey, look, the Lord's going to connect the dots for you. Here's the question. What does the Lord want for us in relationship to our minds? Good question. Yeah, I think it's a good question. So let's connect the dots. And these are just a few examples. 2 Corinthians 13, oh, excuse me, 10, 3 through 5 says what? Take every thought captive. Important answer? Yes. Every thought. Romans chapter 12, verse 2, he says about the mind, be changed by the renewing of your mind. I got good news for you guys. When you came to Christ, you now have the mind of Christ. That's a good thing. That means this, there is a spiritual component in your life where when you see things going on in the world, you're going, hey, I need to look at that through the lens of Scripture, not based on what man says. And man's very quick to point out, this is what you need to think. Isn't he? Yes, he is. So we go, hey, okay, that's over here, but what does the Lord say? So we need to be changed by the renewing of our mind, which means over and over and over again, there's this process. I mean, the mind is an incredible thing. It's amazing the amount of information we can absorb. And when you think about how we are influenced, we're influenced by what people say. 
So we'd be careful. And then my, one of my favorites is Colossians 3, 2. He says, fix your mind, and that word fix means to concentrate. Concentrate your mind where? On the things on the earth. Is that what it says? It's not what it says. Fix your mind on what? The things above. Uh-oh. Well, that's a real challenge right now. Wouldn't you say so? Any of you agree with that? Real challenge. Because every single day we are being bombarded by a philosophy of the world, which, by the way, at the end of that road is hopelessness. I am going to make the choice not to go there. In fact, you know what I tried to do this week? I tried to listen to sports radio because I like it. They hardly ever talk about my hogs, but I like it. I can't listen to it because it's political. And so you know what I do? Boom, turn it off. You know why? Because I am impacted. When people start talking about their opinions on this and that, I'm like, stop. So I'm like, you know what, Lord? You're just driving me to realize that yeah, there's lots of opinions about this and that, but man, I don't really need to fix my mind on the things above. Right? That sounds pretty good, doesn't it? And that's exactly what Paul says. So, this is just an illustration here of what Paul was telling Timothy. Hey, Timothy, the Lord's going to give you understanding and everything. That's a good deal, guys. So, when, next time you're studying the Word, realize this. The Spirit of the living God is your teacher. That's a good thing. Okay, And he's going to lead you into all the truth. That's what the Bible tells us. Well, let me go back here and read this part to you. Look at verse number 8. So he tells him by way of encouragement, hey, look, the Lord's going to give you understanding and everything. Remember, this comes off the heels of some pretty tough stuff. He says, then remember Jesus Christ, Risen from the dead, descendant of David, according to my gospel. What in the world is he doing? How in the world is he encouraging him? Well, he's saying, Timothy, Jesus Christ is alive, and he endured suffering. And he understands your suffering. That's why he uses the phrase, descendant of David. It points to his humanity. He understands, right? In all points, he was tempted as we are, yet without what? Sin. He understands the suffering, guys. Fully God, fully man. But not only is he fully man, but he is alive. How many of you love that? He's alive. We serve a risen Savior. We serve a risen Savior. I like what um, Ray Stedman says in commenting on this particular part of the text. He says... We endure all things, and remember, because that's the big context. We endure all things because the Savior is alive. <laughs> Hallelujah. He's alive. We endure all things because he is fully God, yes, fully God, and fully man. He descended from David, pointing to his humanity. He is one of us. He has been where we are. He knows the life of suffering and shame. He knows it. He stood strong in the midst of suffering and is our encouragement to do the same. You remember when Ananias was told to go to Saul, who was Paul? You remember what he told him? He says, listen, Ananias. And Ananias is like, hey, listen, Lord, you know who this dude is, right? 
But then you remember what um, the message was? He says, Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles, kings, and the sons of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. Part of Christian life. But Stedman points out, hey, look, we endure all things because the Savior is alive. We serve a risen Savior. Peter wrote to a group of suffering believers, For you have been called for this purpose since Christ also suffered for you. Which, listen, we can put ourselves, he suffered for us. That's hard to wrap your mind around, is it not? He who committed no sin, no deceit. And he's willing to suffer for me? I've come to the conclusion it's impossible for me to be as thankful as I need to be this side of glory. <laughs> I just, I mean, I'm thankful. Don't get me wrong. But I mean, I mean, when we see him, can you imagine what that's going to be like? Face to face in all his glory. Nail prints in his hands. As a reminder of what he did. Goodness gracious. He says... For you have been called for this purpose since Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example to follow in his steps. What kind of example? Well, he answers, who committed no sin, nor was any deceit found in his mouth. And listen to this. And while being reviled, he did not revile in return. Now, that's not man's thinking, is it? Hey, man, if somebody treats me rough, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to get them back. No, I can't be in the vocabulary of the believer. That's not the example. He uttered no threats, what Peter wrote, but kept entrusting himself to him who judges righteously. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sin Live to righteousness, for by his wounds you were healed. Cost for us to be free. There is a cost. It cost the life of God's Son. But you know what? He didn't stay in that grave, did he? No. He's alive. We sing it on Easter. He's alive. I love that song. We can sing it this morning if you want to, Ron. I love that song. That's why we have hope. You're familiar with the hymn, Because He Lives. Listen to how that translates in our lives. Because He lives, and I love this course. Because He lives, I can what? Face tomorrow. Listen to this, church. Because He lives, all fear is gone. Because I know, and I, when I sing it, man, I just, I mean, I can't sing real good but when i sing it i go i know i know i don't even think that appears in the chorus but i I had a second i know i know i know he holds the future and life is worth the living just because he lives good stuff now all that hard instruction man when timothy got to that he's like "Woo, this is good stuff I can endure the hardship. 
because my Savior is going to reveal to me the meaning of this. I can endure the hardship because he's alive and he's one of me. Right? He understands where I've been and where I'm going. And then thirdly, be patient. I'm going to go back here. Thirdly, he says, verse 9. Not only those two things, he says, for which I suffer hardship even to imprisonment as a criminal. Underscore this in your Bible. But the word of God is not imprisoned. Hey, look, Paul spent a lot of time in prison. But the word of God was not imprisoned, was it? How would you have liked to have been chained to that dude? You're hearing what? If you're chained to Paul, you're hearing about who? Jesus Christ. Over and over and over and over again. The word of God is not in prison. There's an article that I read entitled Handbook to Heaven. Which illustrates this principle that the word of God is not in prison. So that's this third encouragement to Timothy. There's a story about a Soviet official, a high-ranking official. When the Soviet Union was at it, one of its greatest threats to the world, a Soviet official was asked this question. Why is the Bible frowned upon in your country? And why do those who print and distribute Bibles face beatings and even death? You know what he said? We find that the reading of the Bible changes people in a way that is dangerous to our state. Uh-oh. Woo! Man, what a test. that's a testimony to what? The power of the Word. It, it's the same thing that Paul said in writing to the Romans. Right? You remember that? For I am not ashamed of the gospel. For what? It, the gospel is the power of God unto salvation to everyone believes to everyone who believes to the Jew first and also the Greek. Power. The power is in the word. I mean, I think one of the most incredible testimonies about the word is that we can leave the word with somebody. We can hand them a gospel. We can hand them a gospel tract and we leave it with them. Where's the power? In us? Yeah, we have the Spirit in us, but the power is the what? The Word. Years ago, I worked for Dobbs Electric. <laughs> Not as an electrician, but as an electrician's helper, <clears throat> which means, meant I did all the grungy work, things that nobody else wanted to do. That'll do it. Well, so I show up to Dobbs Electric, and my boss's name is Mike. And uh, Mike was a nice guy. I owe Mike a lot. He protected me. About the third day on the job, he said, Dad, um, are you going to be an electrician? And I was like, uh, no. That would be a no. I was 24 at the time. I said, no, Mike, I don't want to be. He said, you know, I kind of figured that. I said, <laughs> thinking that probably didn't take you long. So he said, what do you want to do? I said, well, I want to go into the ministry. I want to be a pastor one day. He said, really? I said, yep. So from then on, my relationship with Mike and the other guys at that particular location was way different. You know what happened when we take our break? They'd ask me questions about the Bible. It was awesome. I tell you that to tell you what the Lord put in my heart. Because I couldn't change Mike. 
Right? We don't have the power to change anybody. But we do have the responsibility to do what? Share the gospel, give them the word. The Lord put on my heart, hey, Thad, the greatest impact you can have in this man's life is not only to live it in front of him and to speak it when you have opportunity, but give him a Bible. Give him the power. I'm like, all right. So my last day on the job, I'd written a little inscription in it, and he always left his window down. Rain or shine, always left it down. And uh, I went, as I was leaving the parking lot, I went and I dropped that Bible in his seat. At the time, I knew why I did that. But as I've gotten older as a Christian, I've realized, you know what? That's the best thing I could have done because the power is in the Word. I don't know what Mike did with the Bible. I hadn't seen Mike, talked to Mike in all these years. That's been a long time ago. The power is in the Word, right? And that's exactly what Paul is telling Timothy. Hey, look, you might be imprisoned. You might suffer hardship, but the Word of God is never in prison. It's never in prison. And that's what we need to remember. Um, wow, what a testimony that was. Well, then lastly, he encourages him, fourthly, by telling him this. Timothy, I endure for the chosen. Look at verse number 10. For this reason, I endure all things for the sake of those who are chosen, so that they also may obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus, and with it eternal glory. Well, Paul's saying, look, let me encourage you. I endure the hardship for those who are chosen, chosen to believe. You know, guys, this is one of those subjects that it's controversial. Let's just be honest about it. Election, the doctrine of election. You know, a lot of people kind of like to stray from it. I go, well, it's in there. <laughs> can't do anything about it. You can't take an eraser and go, well, I don't like this. It's just there. In fact, we serve a God that chooses. Did you know that? Well, all you got to do is go back and research in your Bibles. The Lord chose a nation, a people, Israel. He did it. The Lord chose Abraham. He chose David. He chose lots of people. He just chooses. He chose 12 disciples, right? Chose them. One of them who would betray him. But he used him for his purposes. You say, well, i got to understand that in order to believe it. <laughs> That's not going to happen, right? That's God's business. God's business is election. And you know what? I choose to leave it there. I can't deny it because I have to take an eraser through a lot of Scripture to deny it. I have to take an eraser through Ephesians 1 and Romans 8 and right here in 2 Timothy. I, I don't have permission to do that. So what do I do with hard things in doctrine? Do I avoid them because it doesn't fit my doctrine? Or do I just say, hey, look, it's there. I'll never forget a pastor asked me years ago, he was about to tackle the book of Ephesians, and he said, hey, Thad, what do you believe on the doctrine of election? I said, it's there. It's there. <laughs> I mean, that's what I believe, it's there. Now, I'm not God, and I can't understand all that stuff. But I believe it. It's no less true just because I can't understand it completely. So Paul says... Hey, look, I endure the suffering for the sake of the chosen. Now, did Paul say, for the sake of the chosen, and I know who those are? No, he did not. So what do you do then? You don't deny the doctrine. It's there. There are those who are chosen. But Paul didn't focus on that. What did he focus on? He focused on proclamation of the gospel. And that's what we need to focus on. 
He says, I endure all things for the sake of the chosen so that they also may obtain the salvation which is what? In Christ Jesus. Guys, that's a very important phrase. Salvation is only found in who? Christ Jesus. That's why Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and life. No man comes to the Father but by me. He's the only way. So when we're out in the world today and people say, yeah, but I think this and I think that, doesn't matter what you think. Jesus said it, just in case you didn't get it. He's the only way to the Father. So Paul says, look, I endure for the sake of the chosen. In other words, hey, look, I'm going out there and I'm witnessing and right then and there in that context, he's probably chained to a Roman soldier. Hey, look, I endure for the opportunity to share with this man. Now, I don't know if this man's going to come to Christ or not, but I'm enduring all suffering so I can present the gospel. That's good, isn't it? You know, guys, listen, we endure everything in this life that the Lord asks us to endure so that we can do what? Share the gospel. I told Dave, I was, Dave and I were talking yesterday, Dave Wolf and I, and I was telling Dave that I've shared the gospel in the last six months more than I've shared it in the last six years. You know why? The opportunity abounds. People are scared, really scared. There's fear, they're troubled, they're going, I have no idea what's going on. And we look in our Bibles and we go, you know what? We know what's going on, don't we? Everything is culminating to a time when the Lord comes for his church. And then it won't be COVID-19 they need to be concerned about. <laughs> Read Revelation. That will be like, that was nothing. All the chaos that's going to take place. So I say this. Let's take advantage of the opportunity that we have right now in a time of fear. And let's give people the gospel. And you know what? People aren't out wearing t-shirts going, I'm chosen. I've got no idea who those people are that the Lord's chosen. I've got no idea. My responsibility is to do what Paul said. Right? Preach the gospel. Guard the truth. Jesus didn't tell his disciples in Matthew 28, go out and find the elect and share the gospel. Did he say that? No. He says, you go make disciples, what? Of all nations. Get out there and share. Why do you think missionaries commit themselves to the mission field like Bob and Judy for years and years and years? They don't know who's going to be saved. But I guarantee this about Bob and Judy, they share the gospel. They leave the results to the Lord. So you know what man wants to do? Man wants to trickle over into, well, I'm going to control this. I remember when my kids were born, and I, my prayer and Teresa's prayer from the time my, our boys were born, Lord, we want them to know you. Can I make them know him? No. Do I want them to? Yeah, all day long. I have three granddaughters. Wild children, crazy. I like sending them home. But you know what? I want them to know Christ. That's the most important thing. Paul doesn't write a dissertation here on election. He just tells Timothy, hey, look, this is why I'm enduring hardship. I'm enduring hardship because I need to share the gospel. And there's people out there that are going to receive Christ. Well, I don't know who to give credit for this because in the article Spurgeon's mentioned so it may be Spurgeon 
But I like what this theologian said about this particular verse. He said, and, and, and look at this, this is a tremendous quote. Paul did not know who they were. In other words, the chosen. But he knew God knew. Man, isn't that good? He knew God knew. And that that was enough for him. To be willing to endure hardship that they might hear the living and abiding word of God and might be born again. I had a friend in New York that I worked with in the Awana ministry, and then we, I hate to use the word canned, but we canned the Awana ministry and went to a one-way club ministry. It was a once-a-month ministry for children and um, a lot less work intensive. I wanted to become a glorified Sunday school just on a different night. And we weren't really doing a whole lot of outreach. It was just basically our kids that were coming. And so uh, we started this other ministry. And um, the guy that was the commander became the leader of the One Way Club. His name is Rod Reed. One of the hardest laborers for the Lord I've ever met. And he had a friend named Steve. And I remember one of the first times we went to lunch, Rod and I, he said, that I really want Steve to know the Lord. I mean, they were like good buddies. You know how that gets, right? People work together. He said, he just doesn't know him. He said, do you think you could eat lunch with us sometime? I said, sure. So we go to Marco's Pizza. If you're going to buy me a slice of pizza, I'll be there. So he, I said, I'm coming. So I went to Marco's Pizza, got me a slice. Have you ever been to New York State? They just give you a slice. I love the way they say that too, slice. They give you a slice of pizza, right? And I told them I wanted some tea for, with my slice of pizza. And I should have reminded them that I needed sweet tea because they brought me this little cup with this, you know, I like hot tea. I don't want hot tea, I want tea. But Rod always drank coffee with his pizza. Isn't that disgusting? But so did Steve. Well, Steve was there that day. We're eating and... Uh, I hadn't met Steve before. And uh, so I met Steve. and I'd known Rod talked to me a lot about, hey, I want him to come to the Lord. So we're just, we're just uh, talking, chatting. And uh, he looked at me, Steve, and he said, so Thad, who are you? <laughs> I said, well, I'm Thad. And I said, I'm, I'm uh, down here at uh, Berean Bible Church. He said, what do you do? I said, I'm a staff there. He said, really? I said, yep. So we eat, get done, and before long, we had this fair that we were doing for the kids as a part of the ministry. Guess who shows up to help Rod? Steve. So we just get to talking. We get to talking. Rod's speaking into his life. You can just tell the Lord's working. We have this big, like, appreciation banquet for the policemen and firemen in the area is a really good thing. We need to do that here sometime. It's a really good thing. It's really beneficial. And just wanted to be a, tell the people in the community, hey, we, we care about you. We appreciate what you do. And, and Steve came to that banquet. And part of that banquet we shared the gospel. So he's hearing the gospel again. Nothing happened that night. Didn't know if it was going to. Right? It's up to the Lord. So then we have this big outreach that we do in the community. We did it once a year and gospel presentation people would come they'd invite their friends come and we had breakfast in the whole nine yards it was really a, a great time steve was there and pastor stan presents the gospel 
And Steve sat in the same place every time he'd come. And he'd always sit with his arms folded and just kind of... I was like, is that dude ever listening, right? Well, he's listening. The Spirit of God was working on that man. I guess about three days later, Rod calls me. And he's just beside himself. I said, Rod, what's going on? He said, Dad, Steve got saved. I'm like, you know, Lord... You're in control of all that. It's my responsibility to share the gospel. Do you know what Paul's telling Timothy here? Hey, you keep running the race. You be strong in the grace that's in Christ. You stay committed. You stay committed to the process of discipleship. And you suffer hardship. Right? And this is how you do that, knowing these things. That the Lord's going to give you understanding and everything. He's going to do it. Right? You need to know that. You need to have your anchor in that. You need to remember Jesus Christ. He's alive and he's one of us. He knows our suffering. You need to remember, Timothy, that the word of God, it's not imprisoned. It is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. And let me encourage you, Timothy, with one last thing. You endure that hardship for those people who will come to Christ. You know what? Rod had a lot of hard things in his life, but he endured the hardship. And you know what happened? He got to see the fruits of that, to see Steve come to Christ. It was one of the most fantastic lunches we ever had for Steve to look across from me and say, Hey, Thad, I'm your brother. I'm your brother. Guys, let's stay in the race. Let's be encouraged. As we endure hardship, whatever that might look like, that we would have an eternal principle in our minds. That, hey, we're enduring this for the sake of those who would come to know Christ as their Savior. Let's pray together. Lord, what a fantastic passage of Scripture. Difficult stuff that you give to Timothy, things that he would have to wrestle with, but you tell him through Paul how to do all that. Lord, he has you as the example. He has Paul as an encourager. Lord, we're walking through different days, as you fully know. We don't know necessarily what's around the corner, but we know you are. And Lord, until you come, I pray we would be committed to running the race for your glory. And for your honor. And that as we're running the race, as we come across people who are hopeless and fearful, that you would just open wide that opportunity to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that people would come to know the Lord Jesus. And that they would go from being hopeless to having hope. From having no confidence to being confident in our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Thank you so much for giving us your truth. Help us to apply it as we live our lives today. Lord, we just look forward to you coming. Until we do, help us to be faithful. In serving you in the name of Christ, I pray. Amen. Close out today's service. Talking about that verse of scripture where it says to look on things above and not things below.
the song goes with that. Give me Jesus. Let's sing this together. May we uh, follow David as we sing. In the morning when I rise, in the morning when I rise, in the morning when I rise, just give me Jesus. Give me Jesus. Give me Jesus. You can have all this world. Just give me Jesus. And when I am alone, oh, and when I Give me Jesus. Give me Jesus. Give me Jesus. You can have all this world. Just give me Jesus. When I come to die, oh, and when I come to die, when I come to die, give me Jesus. Give me Jesus. Give me Jesus. You can have all this world. You can have all this world. You can have all this world. Just give me Jesus. I thought I turned it on correctly. Um, so you can. This made me happy this week having some VBS props up here. Um, 
just to give you an idea, in January is when I start planning VBS. And in January, I had a daughter in college, a daughter doing high school cheer, and a daughter doing high school soccer. Uh, we had a weekly Awana program, Sunday school every Sunday. And come March, that all went away. It made me very sad. But after I quit being sad for a little bit, I said, how can we? 2020 is not going to keep us from reaching uh, the lost with the gospel of Christ. So uh, we had to go to a virtual platform. So we did that with Awana. Um, the fall is still up in the air, so we're planning that. Uh, but VBS, when I knew it was not going to happen, I thought, well, we've we got to have it. we got to have it. I think the kids look forward to it. I look forward to it. So uh, my set designers got together independently and created these beautiful pieces uh, for our Mystery Island VBS. We're searching for the one true God, and um, we have filmed teaching videos. I've got drama videos, music videos, uh, memory verse videos, and tonight through Tuesday, they'll be posted each night at 6 p.m., and um, I encourage you, even if you don't have kids, just tune into our Facebook page or our website and watch those videos and just see how we're reaching uh, kids for Christ through the virtual world. So I hope you join us. Thanks. All right. Thank you, Andrea. We appreciate her ministry here and um, all that she does. And uh, it's great to be with you today. Good to see all of you here. The Lord's bringing more out. And we're thankful for that. And we're doing everything we can to make sure that we're continuing on with what the Lord has purposed for his church. So you come next week. Next week we're going to talk a little bit about uh, church leadership uh, as we have the nominations of uh, elders and deacons and kind of how that looks from God's perspective. Okay, so uh, why don't we uh, stand? Let's have a word of prayer together. Let's close. Lord, we again, we just want to thank you for the privilege of being here this morning. May your word be... Uh, penetrating in our lives so that we might understand better how to live for you and for your glory. We pray for Vacation Bible School that you would just bless that. Thank you for the efforts of Andrea and so many others who have made this possible. We pray, Lord, that some of these children might come to know you. And all this we pray in the name of Christ and for his sake. Amen. You are dismissed.